Theorizing that primetime audiences were ready for a new time travel series, NBC and creator Donald Belisario debuted Quantum Leap on March 26, 1989. Starring Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell, the series followed Dr. Sam Beckett for five seasons of time-hopping adventures, spawning novels, comics, and a fan base that has clamored for decades for a revival. Now, with Raymond Lee and Caitlin Bassett starring in a new version of the series that dangles just as many new threads as it does old ones, we'll ball the string up and explore the revival and the ways in which Quantum Leap has always entertained and inspired us here on... Oh boy... Oh boy, it's a Quantum Leap podcast. My name is Nate, and with me as always, a co-host we can all see and hear, it's Brian Martin. Hello. We're back. Good to be back. Hip deep in the winter hiatus. Have you found yourself missing it? I found myself talking about it. (laughs) I will say that. I've talked about it with a few people. Oh yeah? Uh, and, And reactions have been really mixed so far. Yeah, that's interesting. I also brought it up to a friend of mine who started watching it at my recommendation, and he's up through episode three with very mixed reactions. One of my friends watched up to episode, I want to say five, and bailed. And I was like, I guess if it doesn't have you by episode five, you're probably good. Because you've seen a lot of the things that we talked about a lot, right? At that point, have we done the, uh, the earthquake episode? That was... That's six. F- six. Okay. Yeah. Because I was I was encouraging her. I was I'll, like, oh, man, you should have stuck with it one more week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She dipped on the Western episode. That's right. That's that, right. And I, but, but then again, like if the Western episode didn't bring you back. Right? At the brother, end. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. She wasn't taken with the evil leaper. She's <laughs> a big Scott Bakula fan. Like her favorite Star Trek is Enterprise. Okay. No one will openly admit to Star Trek Enterprise being their favorite Star Trek anything. But if you're a Bakula fan, baby, that's got it in spades, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That sounds like somebody that, like, the show really had to win them over. Yes, yeah. And and I was definitely in that camp, not necessarily with Scott Bakula specifically, but, you know, the first episode we talked about being a gatekeeper to the original I still don't want to say that this new one I like as much as the old one, but it's winning me over each week in a way that makes me want to see them get better, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like I'm rooting for this show. I want to see this show continue. I want to see it live up to its potential. Yeah. I think it's got a lot more potential than what we've seen so far. Yes, right. I find it very akin to like TNG season two. There's not a lot there in season one. But TNG 2, you're starting to see like, oh, I think they're getting the idea of what this show is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then when you turn the corner on season three, it's it's like, okay, well, we found our footing. We know what our show is and we know how to write it. I feel like this show is kind of getting the sense of what it wants to be. And probably with that extension that the writers got, maybe they're feeling a little more comfortable with what they have. I got to feel like that's true. Some of the things we've spent a lot of time talking about have been fixated on just the narrative stylings of this show in comparison Mm -hmm. to the original and how overly complex the time travel element is and the emphasis that's placed on the time travel. 
in this new series. Yeah. The split narratives between 2022 and whatever year Ben is in on any given episode. Yeah. And I feel like there was a lot of pressure on the writers to kind of balance all of that early on. And I'm hoping that with the season extension on the back end of this break, we're going to see a more pleasant and familiar groove. I really hope the Jen's dad discussion in the <laughs> elevator is like a one-off blip on the radar <laughs> and like everything from here on out is a little bit more focused. Yeah. I'd like to see them trim down the cast a little bit. I hate to lose certain people, obviously, but there's just too much there. That 2022 storyline. And, and again, he was just up through episode three. The friend I was discussing it with was just like, what are we even doing? I have absolutely no interest in what's going on at Project Quantum Leap. Yeah. That's mirroring what I was thinking early on. You know, mm -hmm. I was just like, what are we doing here? I'm not interested in this at all. I don't know. I'm wondering if his opinions will change as it gets a little further along, but... Well, I hope he sticks with it, partly just because I want to hear other opinions about it, you know? Right. I read a lot of articles. I see a lot of articles that are encouraging from sites like Screen Rant. Here's five reasons you should catch up on Quantum <laughs> Leap over the holiday break. And I'm yeah. like, okay, so that's cool that that stuff is getting out there and that there is like a burgeoning fan base for this show. But the fan base and the show itself, I don't think have reached their full potential yet. No, and, and I, I worry that, that a lot of modern viewers don't have the patience to let a show kind of find its groove. Yeah, I think the addition of the streaming may be what kind of saves this show. You know, yeah. yeah, there's so much niche entertainment out there. They should make a whole network just called that. <laughs> niche entertainment niche entertainment you would have thought all those cake boss shows would have been on it like the great british baking show but no evidently that's the popular stuff that's the popular stuff i know right <laughs> so tonight we're talking a little bit about an interview that was conducted by ars technica with donald p belisario the creator with a capital C of Quantum Leap and so many other things we love like Magnum PI and Jag. Uh, Airwolf. <laughs> Airwolf. Oh man. Yeah. I forgot about Airwolf, but yes. <laughs> Don Belisario, television legend, conducted this interview a little bit over a year ago. Right. And just answered a lot of burning questions, I would say, about Quantum Leap. Some of them I found to be very intriguing. Others I found to be Really? People were wondering this? Yeah, this right. This was a question? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, but we're kind of going to dig into this interview and talk about th the meat of it, the revelations. And I think for my money, I'm going to try to discern a little bit about what old Don P. Belisario thinks of this current yeah. run of Quantum what he might... know, I think there's a yeah. lot of nuggets there that would inform how much different this show is yeah. than the continuation he would have made. Before we dive in, I think we kind of need to touch on death of the author. The idea that whether a writer's views have any bearing on how the reader interprets the material. I'm kind of a proponent of reader interpretation. As Don Belisario tells us what his intentions were or what he was thinking about, this kind of thing is not something I would take as gospel because it never got shown to us. Or mm -hmm. may maybe in whatever circumstance we're talking about uh, per topic here, but maybe more in the terms of like a, the screenwriters of this movie have said that this is what they mean. Yeah. And that's the stuff that really bugs me. Yeah. I think the one that really stood out to me in the last maybe 15 years was, you remember Sucker Punch? 
I put Zack Snyder's name down. Zack Snyder is one of the highest offenders yeah, <laughs> in this. Easily. Because easily. Sucker Punch, I was able to sit down and watch Sucker Punch, and it's a visual feast. There's so many cool things in Sucker Punch, and I'm like, that was kind of rad. And then Zack Snyder did an interview where he started talking about what he was trying to say with it, and I was like, okay, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, what are you talking about, man? And he does that with every movie he makes. And he doesn't let it go. He does not let these things go. His interpretation of Superman telling us just how deep all of it is. One of my friends said it best about Zack Snyder. He summed it up like this. Zack Snyder is what happens when Michael Bay thinks he's Terrence Malick. (laughs) And I was like, that is the nail on the head right there, right? Just be who you are. Be Michael Bay. Yeah. Just, just do a line and then make your crazy Transformer movie and we're all, everybody's entertained. You yeah, know? yeah. Don't try to tell me that, oh, well, Megatron actually represents the Christ. Right. You know? Like, exactly. No, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, anyway. I, the first things that really started to bother me were the re-releases of Star Wars with Lucas mm-hmm. and all the changes that he made for the special editions, that jump-started a conversation about, okay, well, who does this art belong to? No, oh, and Lucas's stance is very clear. It, yes. It's mine. It's mine. <laughs> this is yeah. my thing. Yeah. It's not yours. And I don't subscribe to that. Whatever I hear from a screenwriter, if I didn't get that from your screenwriting, then I'm going to take it at face value or the meaning that I've given to it. Yeah, And that's kind of the way I approach most media. Where are you on that? I generally agree. I think in Lucas's case, the prequels are always the Star Wars he wanted to make. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> and the technical limitations of 1977, as, I mean, and we say limitations, like they built technology from the ground up for those movies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it still fell way short of his vision, while exceeding the wildest dreams of the viewing public. Right. And how often does that happen? You know, like where there's this just colossal disconnect. Yeah. Where for the movie audience, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And for the creator, it's like, this is maybe a 10th of what I was going for. This sucks. Yeah. It's such a weird disconnect. I wish there was a way he could let some of that go. Mm -hmm. I think he did let it go. For, for millions and millions of dollars. <laughs> true enough. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Well, you know, I'm sleeping on a pile of money now. I'm pretty good. Maybe I can sleep well now. Yeah. <laughs> I got your mono myth right here, buddy. <laughs> uh, anyway, what does this all have to do with Don Belisario? <laughs> well, just given the idea that he has some ideas about what that show was and some ideas about where it would have gone that I'm just kind of like, really? Mm-hmm. And I felt like it was worth bringing up that topic only because Quantum Leap, it doesn't necessarily speak too deeply about things in some episodes, but in others, it really does. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked about it before that the show is a little unclear on how it all works, you know? Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> they're about three seasons in before they finally decided, okay, this is how it works. And Belisario's got some ideas that just don't seem to necessarily translate back to the screen. Mm-hmm, yeah. I mean, I, I guess we'll get that point by point, but yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to point out before we get 
into this interview is I, I like how the Ars Technica people, I got to believe it was them. I don't think Don Belisario just has this in his house, but they tried their best to make the desk he was sitting at look like Ziggy. <laughs> yeah, with all the right. multicolored boxes and blinking, that desk looks more like Ziggy than the Ziggy on the current show does. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, I thought it was kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is, and they do a little leap effect, and it's fun. I think that's probably Deborah Pratt doing the questions too, don't you think? It certainly sounded like her, or somebody who was doing a really uncanny impersonation. Yeah, of her. if you're able to find it on YouTube, it's pretty simple. The conceit here is that Ziggy is asking the creator of Quantum Leap these questions that the audience seems to have, evidently. Some of them are exactly the questions we would ask and if we were sitting there. Like, the second question was about the waiting room, and I was like, that's all we've been harping on for, like, seven episodes of, of a podcast. But the first question, the very first question out of the gate, I'm like, huh? Ziggy, what have you got for me? Was Sam really leaping? Or was he imagining it all? It wasn't in Sam's mind. He was actually leaping. It's the quantum leap equivalent of, oh, well, they were just all dead the whole time on Lost. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's not what the show said at all. What are you talking about? Yeah. When did we ever think that it wasn't real? Yeah. Was there anybody that thought this was all a dream? It's... Not real in the same way every television show you watch isn't real, I suppose. <laughs> but from the perspective of the characters, that's like asking at the end of Star Trek The Next Generation, did Picard just wake up in a coma after getting knocked unconscious in a wine field? Yeah. You know, right. and it's like, oh, he imagined all of those adventures on the USS Enterprise. You know, no, he didn't. That is kind of how Enterprise ended. <laughs> True. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was all a holodeck simulation. It's all a holodeck simulation. That's right. That's such an odd question to ask, let alone lead off with. I'm struggling to find a time on that show where there was ever an implication that this was happening in Sam's head. Outside of maybe early episodes where he thought he was crazy. No, I don't even see it there, really. But, like, Gushy exists. We've seen Gushy and Al without Sam present. There was no narrative perspective for us to see them, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, the question answers itself. Hardly worth the time, but the second one, I think, is where the meat is. What do people in the waiting room do while Sam is in their bodies? It's interesting to think about the waiting room. The waiting room came from a novel that I had read that had a waiting room in it. In Quantum Leap, People in the waiting room would be a little disturbed by what had happened, would not understand what was going on, of course. I don't think that they know or remember anything that Sam felt when he was in their body, but I think that they leap back into their body and remember being in the waiting room. At one point I thought about maybe that's where all the stories come from about aliens. I think that when Sam leaps into someone's body, when he leaps back out and they are there left without Sam, they don't remember what Sam did, but they do have a sense of confusion about what's gone on with them during the time that the leap happened. It could drive somebody crazy, <laughs> now that I think about it. <laughs> now that I think about it, he says. <laughs> yeah, like you just show up and like have no recollection of anything. You've just spent three days in a blue room and 
Yeah, I didn't... You just start screaming. Just start screaming the second you're back in your bedroom. <laughs> I mean, I guess they never told us at all, and it was entirely left to the imagination in the first series, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't interpret it that way. I never, in my head canon, believed that people remembered the waiting room. No, no, I, I never thought that. I thought that there would be just sort of this muddied coming out of a stupor kind of thing, but not like uh, you're in one place one second and another place the next. I've always considered it, or I was in my head canon, thought it would be a lot like Magic described it in the current series. Mm -hmm. He felt like he was asleep. And then when he woke up, it was, you know, days later. Yeah. Well, I think in my mind, I was reading it as somewhere in between there, because I feel like for all the people that have been interacting with Sam have had experiences with this person they suddenly don't remember, you know? Right, that, right. That doesn't sit with me. So I always felt that there must have been some kind of merging where they understood that these events had occurred and that they had made these choices and maybe not understood why they made those choices. Yeah, okay. So like they have sort of fuzzy memories of what happened and just don't feel like they were themselves yeah exactly that's that's the way i always thought and if one of the episodes that brings me to that conclusion is the mafia episode in the first season if i'm lying i'm dying yes yeah you're right at the end of that he leaps into the mafia boss yes that they're all afraid of to begin with and that throws kind of two wrenches at me one if magic's description is to be believed we have to believe that this mafia Don allowed Sam to come in and, and <laughs> you know, <laughs> he felt the nudge and let him hey, through Paisan, the door. Hey, Paisan, come on in, come on in. Yeah. Yeah. So that's strange. But then if you think about that mafia Don changing his entire perspective just instantly. It feels like this is only going to work until Sam leaps out. Exactly. And the mafia boss is back in. It's like, okay, now back to business. Which is what they know is going to happen because he has to make it okay for when he leaves Mm -hmm. that the Don can't reverse anything. Right. So I always kind of assumed that they're aware of the choices that they made and maybe we're not clear on why they made them. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. I don't know. It just seems strange for me that somebody that has a lived experience for several weeks would then suddenly have all those memories and experiences blacked out. Yeah. And instead now replaced with memories of being in the waiting room. Yeah, that seems weird. I do think it's funny, the alien abduction thing. Yes. I think I might have heard that in an interview years ago with him, like during the run of the original show even. Uh huh. I feel like that has a familiar ring to it. Like, it's one of those things that you can kind of say, Don, but nothing in the show really suggests it. And it's really, really hard to reconcile with a lot of the, with, right. with just a lot on the show. So it's maybe Don's headcanon. Right, but, exactly. You know. and, and we'll interpret it the way we choose to. Yeah, yeah. There are several instances in the series where they refer to the fact that the person in the waiting room thinks they've been abducted by aliens. That is true, yeah. You know, Al Al comes back to, well, yeah, he's fine. He just thinks he's on an alien spaceship to nowhere, you know, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Which I think is fun. And again, if this is a revival of the original series and we even have characters that Sam has leaped into in our show... Clearly, he does not remember the waiting room, so right. his headcanon appears it's, to be 
inaccurate. <laughs> has been negated by the new series. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that's we're, we're going to see that time and again in this interview where there are definitely things that he either suggests, whether they were headcanon or something that he actively would have pursued, that right. are just diametrically opposed to, yeah, to yeah. the direction they're going in with this current series, for better or worse. I, I don't necessarily know what the answer is. Yeah. You think his EP credit is just uh, complimentary? I think it's an honorific. I think you gotta gotta pay respect. It's like Chairman Emeritus in the Marvel comics for, for yeah. Stan Lee. I mean, he's still credited he's in, probably... in Marvel comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for right. Like six years. <laughs> Okay, yeah, the third question here was about Donna, right? It's something that's come up. This is something that's come up with us. When did you decide that Sam was married? Donna was very much in love with Sam. In a way, he could do no wrong. She understood what was going on with his leaping. She wasn't very happy with him sleeping with other women, but she understood why. Sam was the love of her life, and I think she went on and lived her life, but she didn't hook up with anybody again. Sam was it, and I think she always hoped that Sam would return, but Sam was too busy helping other people than to help his own wife. <laughs> too busy helping other people to help his own wife. You've said something to that effect. Gaps, yeah. It's kind of a little dirtbaggy that he just sort of left his wife there and ran well, off to leap. Well, here's the thing. Does Sam even remember that she exists? He can't possibly remember her or else he's going to have this moral hang-up over and over and over again. And you can't leave your main character in that. And the only way to do it is amnesia, I guess. Yeah. And it, and it is a little bit tragic in that sense. We, the audience, know that he's given this up and he doesn't. And it's part of the reason everybody always rooted for him to get home. Yeah, he had a, a wife waiting for him. And then as Trilogy comes along... And he meets a new woman and fosters a child with her. It just never sat well with me. Just seemed like a tragic thing. Not necessarily like, oh, this is terrible writing or I hate this about this show. But it's more like, God, that's that's really uncomfortable. And instead, they kind of present it as here's Sam's real true love. Right, right. Where he made a special effort to make sure that this woman married him. <laughs> <laughs> he changed history so that this woman would marry him. And That's then right. He, yeah. And the writers just kind of leave her languishing. And then... It's sort of like the Quantum Leap equivalent of the tree falling in the woods. It's like Sam changed that about the past once he was already leaping. So he never remembered any of the memories they built together. Yeah. Until he was back in the present for that one day. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then he forgot it all again. Yeah. But... The thing that Belisario is saying here that I was just kind of like, insult to injury. Donna was so involved, loved him so much that she never found love again. See, I, I so love how hung he said, up on Sam. She never hooked up with anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, never hooked up with anyone? Come on, Don. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's Slim Pickens. Gushy's got halitosis right so <laughs> that's right he's not getting any action that's right so hmm. well that really sucks for her she never finds anybody else but he's you know 
What were your touchstones in designing the future? Lights in blue boxes and red boxes and yellow boxes <laughs> work very well for the future. Well, it was the future, so you had to have something glowing. And in the very first episode, Sam's accoutrement, uh, I had some part of it glowing and flashing. It was the future, something had to be glowing. That's kind of a, a simplistic way of saying the same thing I was saying early on about Addison yes. on the new series. Something needs to set this era apart. Yes. Right? There needs to be a visual cue that lets you know that the person you're looking at is out of time. Exactly. And Al's flashy, shiny wardrobe and the colors on Ziggy and just the overall aesthetic of the project right. let you know that this was the future. No matter yeah. where you're at, like you're looking at this, yeah. the world is never going to look like this. And they'll tell you it's 1999, it's 1995, whatever it, they tell you it at various points in the show. But that hardly matters because as a viewer, that aesthetic doesn't exist in reality, right? So it always looks like the future. And that's the thing that new Quantum Leap is missing a little bit of, is yes. having somebody who fits that mold and just looks like they are out of place at all times. Yes. It is pretty glaring, honestly, on the new show. Yeah. Ian's like the one character that stands out as you wouldn't see a person looking like this and behaving like this even 15 years ago. Yeah. Not in this widely accepted sort of sense. Right. So Ian remains the character that is kind of fulfilling that in terms of just the contrast with the other potential eras we'll be in throughout this series. To us, we see somebody like Ian and it's perfectly normal, right? It looks like someone out of 2022. Right. But that's the only thing visually that really sets that era apart from the eras in which Ben finds himself leaping. Yeah. And we touched on that a little bit. I, I, I think it could have been very interesting to have Ian as the hologram. That character's service is the same role for the show to be inclusive in the new narrative or what have you. But if you put them in like the lead two, that could have been really interesting. And Mason Alexander Park seems like they have chemistry with just about anyone. Yeah. I could just see them reacting to the leap in such perfect ways. Mm -hmm. Addison's role as a hologram is so tied into her relationship with Ben that it's it's a little detrimental, I think. I think uh, it's like we were talking about with Donna a second ago. It's kind of the opposite of that. Like you have to remove Sam and, from Donna and then have him forget about her to be able to facilitate the future episodes or really have this sort of the sky is the limit kind yeah. of approach to it. Like, yeah, we can tell any story we want, but we can't do it if he knows he's got a wife because the character will inherently have this moral compunction that prohibits half of the stories we might want to tell. Yeah. It's the same thing Marvel did 10 plus years ago when they were like, Spider-Man can't be married. What are you doing? Yeah. We're limiting the number of stories we can tell with it. However, accurate or inaccurate that is i think in quantum leap that's absolutely true because there is no ongoing narrative whatever we can dream up within reason we can mm -hmm. send sam out there and do it can we do the same with ben's song i don't know yeah yeah we did mention that earlier in our episodes where i fully expected that there would be scenarios where ben would have to be romantically involved with a woman 
and Addison would have to watch and bite her tongue. And I was pleasantly surprised when they did away with that before it actually happened. Yeah, yeah. I had to reverse course on that from one episode to the next. I was like, well, look at me. You know, I was wrong. (laughs) But you're right. It's very limiting now. Like, what is he going to do when he leaps into a situation where he's married or getting married or are they just going to not write stories like that? That's what I'm saying. Are they, are they just going to limit themselves and not introduce plots like that? I think the worst, I say, quote unquote, the worst thing that's happened to him so far is that he, he kissed somebody, right? Like, <laughs> like in one episode, I think there was a kiss. Yeah. So they kissed him, I think. Yeah. I don't know. So, I don't know. The other thing, I think this actually goes back to the prior question, but Outside of Abigail Filler, he didn't actually sleep with anyone else, did he? It's always like, oh, I'm kissing you, but I don't want to go that far. I I do remember one episode where he was kissing a woman and it faded to a shot of the moon in the sky and Foreigner was playing. And I was like, (laughs) the implication here is it. Okay. (laughs) Somebody got a little freaky. (laughs) Okay. I haven't... There was a lot of, I felt like there were moments of implied. (laughs) Maybe. But there are also so many episodes where Al is like, well, you got a (laughs) better. Every single time. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. It is. It is. Ziggy says there's a 92% chance of you scoring. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, I can't do that, Al. Would the Quantum Leap project be considered a success? It had to be successful to the government on some level. Al was very good at raising funds from Congress, and he had to explain Quantum Leap to them on a level they could understand, and he had to put out some teasers that in Quantum Leap uncover something that would be very positive for the government and for the country. He kept on that track when he met with Congress. And that's how he got the money. For $43 billion, he could at least have altered the results of the last presidential election. (laughs) $43 billion. (laughs) Seems like a lot. In 1999, $43 billion. They've brought Quantum Leap out of mothballs. Do you think the government finds it a success? To their knowledge, nobody's leaped yet. Right, right. It's hard to say why they decided to do this. And especially trust in government was really starting to waver by the late 90s when Quantum Leap took place, quote unquote. When it was being made, I don't think that distrust of government was completely set in yet. The sort of tribalism that our society enjoys today didn't really exist yet in like 1989, right? When the series debuts, so... Yeah, most of it at that point was Clinton and uh, Lewinsky and honor in the White House and... So now I have to wonder, if Quantum Leap is being funded again in a modern environment, who's responsible for it? Why are they funding it? What ulterior motives do they have? You know, that's 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 kind of the first thought in my head is like, okay, well, the government's got to want this for something. And they probably want it for something offensive. <laughs> so... Well, maybe um, that's what Martinez is here for. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. He's a good foot soldier, right? He'll, yes, sir, just point me in the direction you want me to march and I'll do it. If we're going to keep the 2022 storyline going and we need threads to keep it going, I would much prefer 
the government has ulterior motives thread than a Jen's dad never calls thread. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But enough, enough about that. I, yeah, I'm okay, sorry, I even brought it up. I was gonna say, don't get me started. <laughs> I didn't tell any stories where he would radically change history because I wanted the audience to feel that there really was Sam out there leaping. There were certain things he could only leap into people that were ordinary. That was what we started off with, that rule, which I broke a couple of times later in the show. The reason he could only leap into his own lifetime was to make the show believable, and that's why it had to be contemporary. How do you think about that? You know, I really kind of like it, and... And the reason it resonates with me is the potential that it embraces and embodies. Situations in life can be bad, but you always have the agency to make it better. And as long as you're seeing this happen on screen in ways that seem both big and small, but in mm -hmm. sort of compartmentalized, localized kind of ways where someone's life is changed. That's something you can kind of carry with you. If you saw Sam do nothing but leap through time into major historical figures and impact these massive events, there's like a disconnect there, right? Like there's like, yes. this is happening yeah. around me, but it's not happening to me. By the end of Quantum Leap, I think just about anybody who watches that show from beginning to end will find one episode that's quote unquote about them. That's like, yeah. this is this is me. Like, this is kind of, I see myself reflected here. And to that end, I think what Belisario is talking about here was, was a success. Yeah. Till we get to those later episodes he's kind of talking about. But he does kind of go into detail about why he made one of those choices a little bit later on in this interview. And I found that fascinating. What kind of challenges did you face in producing a show that relied heavily on guest actors? The show was an opportunity to use a lot of actors. I never found that to be a challenge. I found it to be an opportunity. Yeah, the only note I jotted down for that is thus far in my rewatch, the worst actor I've seen on that show is Troyan Belisario. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she had a long way to go. She had a long way to go. Yeah, even for her age, she was roundly awful in yeah. that episode. But outside of that, yeah, a lot of good character actors in that show, and nobody so glaringly bad that it takes you out of the story. You I know? think the script called for certain actors and certain performances, and most of the people delivered. When a hammier performance was required, they got hammier people, you know? Yeah. It also speaks to a lot of what we have talked about on this show, which is that as much as you need to care about the people that are in every episode, you have to have a talented actor in those roles. Every one of them has some kind of emotional strife that they're dealing with, you know? Yeah. Yep. Every one of them. And they've got to be able to convey that as simply as possible in 42 minutes. I think they've been really pretty successful in that regard. Is it true that the format of the show was intentional and allowed you to use existing sets? Because we could leap into just about any place in any time, we did use a lot of the sets that existed at Universal. Well, my favorite set was the uh, bar. What do you got on tap? 
By the way, my dad had that bar. That bar was exactly replicated from the bar I was raised in until I was 18 years old and went off to college, including the beer taps, which were from my dad's bar, which was a real time trip for me to be standing on that set as if I was standing at home 18 years or 20 years before. So the bar is modeled, to DPB's recollection, just like his father's bar, right? Yeah. And so his dad's running a bar. The bartender in the final episode is God. What does that say about DPB? If I'm just following the line here and following the breadcrumbs, Don Belisario made his dad God at the end of this show, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I hadn't looked at it that way but yeah he got beer taps from his dad's actual bar like like and had the actual beer taps there like the amount of attention he implies that they put into creating this set that's all i can think about is like you're gonna have sam have an entire existential episode in this bar that you grew up in talking to the man that quote-unquote owns it who in your life was your dad. Yeah. It's just, to me, I'm like, there's a lot to fucking unpack there. This was the point at which I was like, if I were there and I was interviewing him, that's all I would have talked about. Like, as soon as he mentioned the bar, I would have just dug in on that. Because yeah. I want to I want to get to the bottom of that. Yeah, that is an interesting perspective. I, I guess it didn't, it didn't even really occur to me. Like, I, I knew that he had that set built, modeled after the one that his father owned. But yeah. Given what they decide to do with that setting speaks uh, pretty powerfully, at least to, to you, Brian. Who knows what the <laughs> author's actual intent was? <laughs> That's true. That's true. I'm projecting a lot here, but I, yeah. I don't know. I think I think Freud yeah, would yeah. probably have, feel the same way about it that I do. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I, <laughs> kidding, kidding. Granted, they weren't sure it was going to be the finale, but at the same time. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's really cool. How controversial was it to produce the Lee Harvey Oswald episodes? First of all, when I created the show, I wanted to use ordinary people. But I got to the point where I wanted to do Lee Harvey Oswald because I had served with Lee Harvey Oswald. And I knew Lee Harvey Oswald. There were so many stories about multiple shooters and multiple people behind it that I believed that Lee Harvey was the only guy that did it. And I knew that his type would react that way. So I decided to do the show. That episode was a little different for me because I knew I was going to use Lee Harvey Oswald and I knew that he was going to kill Kennedy in his lifetime. So I had to work around all that. It was an interesting episode to write, dealing with somebody who actually lived and uh, killed uh, the president. So, yeah, that's that's wild, man. I don't know if I knew that about Belisario. I definitely um, didn't. But you think, okay, what could compel him to break his rule of making this show about normal people, limiting the certainly the historical figures in it, but specifically the ones that Sam is leaping into, unless you have something you want to say. And I mm-hmm. think that this episode, more than any other, is probably driven by an agenda. Sure. Like, he had an actual social agenda with this two-parter which came out right around the time that oliver stone's jfk did yes that's so right. the culture has always built this sort of conspiratorial thing 
around the Kennedy assassination, but it amplified in like 1990, 1991 as Oliver Stone's movie was coming out. And it's suddenly back in the discourse and everyone's buying into it because Oliver Stone leans so heavily into the conspiratorial aspect. Mm-hmm. And here you've got Belisario that's like, look, sometimes a wacko is just a wacko. Right. And like, I used to feel like this episode was just sort of capitalizing on the moment, like mm-hmm. the sliders effect where it's like, hey, the week the Lost World comes out, the sliders are in a dinosaur universe, you know? Yeah. And they're trying to just capitalize on whatever. The, the funniest one was when Twister came out and there was a tornado episode. <laughs> That's what that I needs to felt. be our sister podcast. We, we should do to... a sliders. Slider <laughs> yeah. cast. <laughs> Maybe we can eat White Castle and talk about sliders. <laughs> but I'd do I it if I had felt. the time. <laughs> I felt like... Uh, <laughs> I felt like uh, that episode was just sort of trying to capitalize on the moment, but it's more like combating a narrative. Like he's trying to take the narrative back and say, look, all of this stuff is just conspiratorial mumbo jumbo. Lee Harvey Oswald was a deeply disturbed person who did this on his own. Yeah, I came across another interview. I I believe it was a panel at some Quantum Leap convention of some kind where Belisario was up on the stage and he was talking about this same thing. What he added in that conversation, I believe, was that his son had seen the Oliver Stone movie and came home spouting all these conspiratorial (laughs) things. So he was just trying to write the house. Yeah, yeah. More or less, I think it was just a matter of like, like you were saying, it's... It's combating a narrative that's out there that I know to be false. Yeah. And the fact that he actually knew Lee Harvey Oswald and served with him in some regard. I mean, he's got more firsthand knowledge than I have, certainly. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, I picture a lot of the scenes early in that leap where he's just out training for combat, right? That's got to be plucked straight from Belisario's experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Interestingly, though, I feel like... And this is not an episode I visited recently, so I, you know, my my memory may be a little foggy on it, but I don't remember it feeling very satisfying in conclusion, because you spend like two episodes of him wrestling with leaping into Lee Harvey Oswald and all the feelings and their minds are merging and it's breaking him apart, and then at the end, as it's all coming to a head, he just leaps into random nobody and saves Jackie O. Instead, I I think that's a pretty clever way around what Belisario is talking about in this interview, that that he can't impact any historical event significant. Right. There's no way you can end the Lee Harvey Oswald leap by having Sam save Kennedy. You just can't do it. But what if what we know to be the actual history of what happened is only that way because Sam changed it? Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I, I get like, that. I do understand. I, I, love, I loved that aspect. I don't know. The, the episode as a whole kind of didn't work for me when I was younger. Like, because it's just so, so different. And and the leaping is just, he's bouncing around throughout this single person's life. It seems to. Yeah. And it's only happening because it's Lee Harvey Oswald, right? Yeah, I don't know. That... It, it might be time to revisit that one for me. I, I haven't watched that one in a long time because I don't feel compelled to revisit well, most of that season, <laughs> gotta be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, that I might agree. Be worth another watch. The story was bigger than its conclusion to yes. me. Yeah. Um, given that suddenly he's a Secret Service agent that we don't know at all. <laughs> 
Was the Evil Leaper storyline planned from the beginning? Evil Leapers were only in, I believe, about three episodes. I didn't have any plans to continue them. They were put in an episode by another writer, and so I let it go on for the three episodes. But I never really felt comfortable with the Evil Leapers. That's just a personal thing. I don't know why I didn't feel comfortable with them other than they were evil. <laughs> so maybe I'm not too comfortable with that. It didn't feel the same as uh, the other episodes to me. It felt different, and uh, it was different. And I don't know that it was different in a good way. Leah is not We've, we've had almost that exact same conversation. Was it that, good? I don't know. <laughs> that was my favorite answer. It put a big old smile on my face. He I am glad. Hated, yeah. He hated them so much. He I'm just absolutely hated it. Yeah. <laughs> don't look at I'm me. I'm glad that he had nothing to do with that. You know, like yeah. when we talked about it at first, you're right. At the time, at, at our age, that was kind of the big deal, the evil twin, you know, or what have you. Yeah. So I kind of get it. And I can see how it could have been fun. But when you look at the series as a whole, they stick out like a sore thumb. It does not feel tonally like the rest of this series. And it raises all sorts of questions that we've asked. Like, so the devil is leaping somebody around? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. It's, it's so and weird. The devil's like, I need a computer and a hologram. <laughs> when we know from prior episodes that the devil can just do whatever he wants anyway yeah including impersonate al maybe that's where he got the idea was from that leap he's like well that's i need right. to get me one of those that's where he met sam and he yeah. thought oh hey i bet i could do that what's this guy doing <laughs> what a great idea you say a lot about the devil but one thing's for sure he's never had an original thought <laughs> fair enough What were some of your ideas for a potential season six? I didn't have a plan for season six. It was going to be the same thing to tell all the stories that we could tell. Quantum Leap had the great ability to tell any kind of story. No future plans. Uh, I think it's kind of a lie, actually. There's a, a YouTuber named Allison Pregler. Yes, yeah. Are you familiar with her? She's a big Quantum Leap fan. The big Quantum Leap fan. She's She uncovered some stock photos and even some recorded footage of Al and Beth post the finale. Mm -hmm. And my understanding is that there was some kind of plan where Al was going to leap to go find Sam. And that they had this scripted part of it shot. Um, and then, of course, it didn't, didn't go down that road. So It's really interesting. Yeah, and it, it's strange that... Belisario has been denying that like forever. Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> why are you? I don't understand the, unless it's honestly not true, who knows? Yeah. But it does kind of raise the question would Al be that same character after Sam had changed his history so drastically? Right. Well, he wouldn't have been the hungry eyed, thirsty womanizer that he right. was throughout the show. Because much like Donna and Sam, that would sort of change the entire context. Yeah, exactly. And then does that work? Suddenly that chemistry would be so different. Right. I mean, now, they're is, both, now they're both tied down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who is that character if not kind of the scoundrel that would be canceled today? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, he's done in by the Me Too movement. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, logistically, as far as just producing a TV show goes, it's really hard for me to believe that Belisario and everyone else could have just gone about business as usual in a season six of this show. Yeah. Because with or without a renewal, whatever the ratings looked like, season six, if you're just doing the same thing over and over again, the audience starts to get burnt out a bit. Sure. And you can see evidence of this in season five. The reason Elvis is in there and Lee Harvey Oswald is in there and the evil leapers show up, you know, all of that stuff starts happening because you got to jazz this formula up a little bit. You've got to do something to to make it a little different, a little edgier, maybe, right? We're we're on the cusp of the nineties. Yeah. I gotta believe that season six would have been a departure in some way. Yeah. If that were the plan, I guess I'd be glad that it never saw the airwaves. Yeah. Yeah. I don't necessarily need that show. And the finale as it stands really works for me. Mm-hmm. Even though so many people, you know, feel like it's it's cut off too short or it just it doesn't answer all the questions they want. I find it a very satisfying ending to that series. In a lot of ways, I feel like it's the only way the show could have ended. It doesn't matter how much longer the show would have run. If it could have gone nine seasons, the end result is the same, I think. Yeah. That yeah. Sam comes to understand something about himself and realizes that this is who I am. Right. And Belisario talks a little bit more about this a little bit later in the interview. Yeah. But Belisario calls it Sam's life's work. Quantum Leap is his passion project, and maybe this is why. This is his purpose in life. So no, he never would have come home. Was Bruce McGill intentionally cast in the series finale as a callback to the pilot episode? Bruce was an actor that I loved working with, and uh, I wanted to work with him again. And so that final episode, I put Bruce in it. He's a delight to work with. Purely the producer's desire to have him in the show. I love Bruce McGill. I, I love him too. Anytime he shows up in anything, he's just yeah. got, he's great. I mean, and I know him from MacGyver. Yes. Yeah. That was his most recurring role from my understanding, but yeah. he was great in that show. Just his look, it's his mustache, it's <laughs> it's his cadence, like his speaking yeah. cadence. You're instantly invested in him. Like he's one of those, those guys that yeah. probably doesn't get the credit he deserves and I know I loved seeing him in the finale again. Yeah, he was perfect for it, too. And again, in my headcanon, I'm connecting those two things, right? I'm oh, thinking do you? Like, yeah. like in my headcanon, God slash bartender slash Don Belisario's dad took this form <laughs> specifically to bring things full circle. Yeah. Kind of in my yeah. Head. I never did that. I think maybe by the time I had seen the finale, I maybe hadn't seen the... The pilot episode? The pilot okay. yet. So yeah. maybe that, that was a disconnect. But those are big shoes to fill. You yeah. Know? I mean, that's that's no small role. He's able to play it mysterious and aloof, but right. but comforting and, yes. and warm. And it's just like he toes a line in that finale that uh, I don't... I don't know who else you're going to get that can pull that. How would you envision a modern reboot of Quantum Leap? I think if I did Quantum Leap today, I'd, I'd do it just the same way I did it decades ago. I would tell the same type of stories, doing stories of uh, individuals, their challenges, but it would basically be the same show. 
how today's audiences would view the show. I don't think they'd view it any different than they did uh, when we created it. It's the stories that were so good and the people that I cast in the roles that made the show come alive. Wish I could do it again. I wouldn't uh, serialize it. I got away from that. Uh, never did it in the old show, and I wouldn't do it in, the, in doing it again. Yeah, there you go. That's where things get interesting, because it's yeah. 100% the opposite of what the reboot is. <laughs> like, yeah, who's right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who's uh, right? Really, uh, I think what it comes down to, and, and I've said it before, is what is a modern audience going to watch? I don't think it's a simple answer. I think the easy answer is to make it serialized and give them a hook. Yeah. I think the harder answer, and I mean it harder in the sense that it's harder to get networks to invest in it, is to do Mm -hmm. what Don Belisario is talking about and transfer all the power over to the individual characters that you're inventing week to week to week to week. Not the ones that you invent once and they show up week after week. But the people that right. you have to create a whole cloth from scratch with every new episode. Yeah. Do I think it could be done? Absolutely. Because there's plenty of shows that are, you know, these anthology kind of shows that are popular now. Most of them, you know, have a dark tinge to them, like Black Mirror or something. Yeah, American Horror Story. Right. But I think it can happen. It's just a really, really hard sell. And if you get it wrong, that show's out. Yeah. Well, this revival may be a few years ahead of its time because all indications show that Star Trek Strange New Worlds is something that people have been clamoring for. Mm -hmm. They talk about as far as new Trek is concerned, it's the one that speaks most to traditional fans. Yes. Do you follow the show? Yeah, I I haven't. It's like the one new Trek show that I haven't gotten super deeply entrenched in yet. Uh, And it's really because I know I'm going to love it. It's another show that I'm like, this is what I've been waiting for. And I got to wait for the right time. You know, it's like I got to wait for the moment and the timing to be right to sit down and really dig in. Well, it's got a connected through line in the same way that the X-Files did, Mm -hmm. sort of, where it's got a story that, you know, at some point we'll have to have a conclusion. But you can jump in and watch an episode. And you can't do that with most television any longer. Yeah, yeah. But as I said... This is something that people have been wanting based on the response that that show has gotten. And it could be that the television landscape may swing back over. I've heard friends numerous times, hey, do you watch this show? Uh, it's like three seasons in. I don't have time to invest in, like, I've got to watch this from beginning to end. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And entertainment goes in cycles. And eventually that kind of thing I think we'll go by the wayside and we'll end up getting more episodic television again. Yeah, I I hope so, because it's always nice to just be able to come in, watch a show for a bit, dip out, come back. Maybe within the lifetime of this show. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe the the serialized nature of this show will ultimately give way to something that's a little bit more episodic and character focused. It certainly could. Yeah, I I mean, the door's open for it. Yeah, yeah. you had mentioned that you thought the main plot line there in 2022 was probably going to be done by the end of the first season. And if that were the case, then, you know, seasons two through six or what have you could just be. But then what do you do with your 2022 characters? I I think there'll be another plot line to replace it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I was just postulating, like, if they were to go episodic, then what do you do with those characters? Yeah. 
by the fact that they're in another setting, their story almost has to be different. Yes. Because they can only interact with the Leap in so many ways. Ian can only type at a keyboard so often. They they can't go into the imaging chamber, right. you know, because right. they're not connected to, to Ben. So what do you do with those characters if you don't give them their own story? What happened to Sam after the finale? I think Sam went on leaping through time. I don't think he ever went home. When um, that last episode ended and the show went off the air, fans were of two sections. One section was that Sam went on leaping forever, and the other section was that no, Sam leaped home and they wanted him to leap home. The fans that wanted him to leap home were upset with me. I got a lot of uh, negative letters from fans like that because uh, I said that he went leaping on. Sam leaping on is the way the story has to go. Can't stop. It's his life work. He's making a choice to leap on. Maybe along the way, Sammy Joe, daughter that he had. What's yours? Sammy Joe there's a 91.9% chance that Sammy Jo Fuller is your daughter. She could take up the mantle and it would continue. She has an IQ of 194, so she got her brains from her father. Potentially, I saw that, that Sammy Jo could take his place and it would be a different show, but she would keep leaping the same way that Sam did. If Sam leaped home, there would be a postscript on that final episode where he got back in the chamber and the accelerator yeah. and, and the whole process started again because it's who he is. I can't, yeah. I can't not do this. It's like, maybe we just read a lot of comics, Nate, but it's like Batman can't stop being Batman. Just like Tony Stark couldn't stop being Iron Man in those Avengers movies. You know, it's right. like, it's like, it doesn't even matter. Like Tony Stark in Endgame has a kid. He's got commitments and obligations now. And he's like, I still have to do it. If there's even a, a small chance I can save my friends, I've got to do this. Right. You know? Right. It's just what heroes do, man. It's just, it's, yeah. it's the hero's life. What's interesting to me is the implication is that he can control where he goes and that he had always been doing that. Yeah. Well, what is his consciousness doing when he decides where he's going to go? Is he looking at history from the outside and seeing where certain things went wrong and then actively choosing to go into that situation? Does he and leap outside so, the timeline and then have a certain perspective mid-leap where he can see everything laid out in front of him and is like, this is where I'm needed. And he just yeah. zips right over there. I kind of feel like that's what it would be. Yeah. And if that's the case, then his mind... Likely to not be as Swiss cheesed in that moment. That's a whole other way to be thinking because obviously when he leaps in and he's lost as to where he is, you know, like, who am I? Where? What mm -hmm. am I doing here? If he's made the choice to be there, at some point he knew what he was there to do, decided to go do it. And then by the time he got there, it was all of that had left his mind. You know what I mean? Maybe the so, Swiss cheesing is a defense mechanism. Maybe his body is like, you can't handle this. This is too yeah. much. Like the human mind is not designed to be able to handle this much information or this perspective. And in order to keep himself sane, he's got to forget. <laughs> like his brain can't even process. 
Maybe he's had that conversation with the bartender numerous times. Oh, jeez. Gosh, it's like he's always, he's every week this guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you again. Well, because at the end, when he decides he's just leaping as himself, and he recognizes that he can control it, you know, and the audience finds that out. You know, at that point, I have to think that his faculties are with him each time he goes. Yeah. In a way that they weren't before, which is another reason the show could not go into a season six in the same vein. Yeah. And he changes things for Al so that Al doesn't have to come with him. You know what I mean? Yep. That's the way I read it at the end, anyhow. I also think of the Sammy Joe Fuller carrying on in his stead... Mm. always seemed like the most obvious thing for a reboot. Yes. That's the show that he wanted to make. You know, there have been a lot of stops and starts over a Quantum Leap reboot over the years. And at one point, I think there was a like TV movie in development with sci-fi. Yeah. And yeah. I think that was going to be the plot, that Sammy Joe Fuller was going to be aware that Sam was her father and trying to find him and bring him home. Or something of that nature, yeah. yeah. They talked about this revival as being a movie numerous times, yeah. like either a TV movie or even a theatrical release. And I just wonder how that would even work in the format of the show that we know. It wouldn't it's so de- It's so dependent on the next episode. It couldn't have worked unless it ended with Sammy Joe reunited with Sam and they came home. Or they decided to stay out and just start leaping together. Or, yeah. you know, it's like th- that would be like a maybe in a backdoor pilot kind of sense. But yeah. Um, yeah. it's hard to imagine what just a standalone movie would look like for this. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. And I mean, multiple TV movies, maybe. Sure. Um, sure. You think Sammy Joe's going to show up in this this new revival? It's got to, right? I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. Maybe the reason they're avoiding it right now is because it's so obvious. They said, okay, well, instead, why don't we make it Al's daughter? Nobody's going to see that coming. Yeah, Sammy Joe's got (laughs) to be there eventually. Yeah, Yeah, I would imagine. What do you think happened to Al when Sam was left leaping forever? That's an interesting question. What happened to Al? (laughs) I hadn't thought what happened to Al. I think Al would have been traveling along into the future along with him. It would have to continue the storylines just as they had. Sam's connection to Al was like an umbilical cord. I don't think you could separate the two. Where Sam went, Al would follow. Al wouldn't pass away. It's television. It's a dirty job. But somebody's got to do it. Yeah. That last question is sort of made me want to start this conversation with Death of the Author. Okay, Uh, yeah. Because that makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever. (laughs) Why would Al still be there? Right. To me, that doesn't play. There's no reason for Al to be there. Sam has already decided that he's going to keep on leaping and had done two leaps as himself without Al's help. Right. And changed things for Al so that he didn't have to come with him. You know? Yeah. The conceit to me was, I'm going to change this for my friend so that his life can be happy and he doesn't have to be tied to me any longer. Yeah. No, you're 100% correct. The answer to this question 
And a lot of the questions that Balisario answers in this interview have this sort of pie-in-the-sky approach where it's like, it was so great making seasons one through four of this show, and I wish that the show could still be one, seasons one through one four. One through four. One through four, <laughs> specifically. <laughs> and I wish the show could just keep being that forever, right? Right. But where it's left, you can't walk back where Sam ends up at the end of the final episode of the show. You can't have Neo suddenly forget how the Matrix works. You know, right. it's, it's like he saw the code. Sam has seen the code now. He doesn't need Morpheus to tell him how to fly. And it's the same sort of thing with Sam and Al at this point. It's, I believe that Al would have still been involved. But how do you put things back at the status quo? That's a tall order for me. I don't see how it pieces together that way. Honey, Honeymoon Express, where they have that um, situation where Al may not be there. Mm-hmm. There's almost like a tearful, I don't think I can do this without you yeah. moment. Yes. He gets trapped there. And would he have to continue to do these things on his own? And I can't do this without you. That was pretty big for early in the series. But by the end, you know, he's old hat at this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and it's his mission. It's also really nice that the main character is not the character that gets the happy ending. The main character sacrifices a happy ending on behalf of the sidekick. Yeah. And it's perfectly in character for Sam. You know, it's exactly what he would do. So. Right. When he decides to change things for Al and he goes and tells Beth to to wait for him, mm-hmm. Al's alive, does it very beautifully. You know, let's start with the happy ending. Yeah. He says, you know. Yes. Um, it's a very good speech. It's great for that episode. The one thing it does seem to do, however, is undercut MIA. It was made very clear in that episode where Beth was introduced that the plan was for her to meet this other guy. Mm-hmm. They just kept running into each other. That wasn't why Sam was there. And the idea of that was, look, some things are not meant to be. These two are supposed to get together, and and we can't change that. Right. You know? Right. So it, it undercuts that episode a little bit. When you leave that episode, you're supposed to feel like Beth is happy. So it gets undercut a little bit by that, but you want to see what's best for Al, too. But he's just going to be a completely different person. It's, it's interesting that he also had given absolutely no thought to where Al would be. It, it is kind of funny. But at the same time, he gave Al a happy ending. Al's story concludes. If you start to peel back the layers, you run into these problems like, oh, well, what about MIA? And what about Sam and Al's relationship throughout this whole series? Did Al ever even join the project? I think the answer is yes. For all the reasons Belisario is talking about in this, he was a central force in getting the funding to actually conduct the project. But right. Yeah, I mean, it raises a lot of questions about everything you've seen up to that point. And so that has to be the end of Al's story, or else it all kind of unravels, right? Yeah, that's true. And that was the end of the interview as well. I yeah. believe that was the last uh, last question that they addressed. But <laughs> pretty, yeah. The last thing, the last thing that um, that Belisario says in here is, hopefully someday Sam Beckett will return home. But probably not. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice words to leave on there. Um, and you said this interview was a year ago. I don't know how long ago it was. I th- like the video on YouTube suggests 
a year ago, but I don't know. Like, how far removed is this from the revival? Right. Like, you I know? feel like it must have been in development. They had to come to him when they were going to do that, right? Oh, sure. He had to have known what the general idea behind it was and yeah. all of that stuff. So It's interesting to try and brainstorm about what he might actually think of this new show. I think the subtext is there. Maybe it's not subtext. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty obvious that... He would have taken a different approach, but in terms of like what he thinks of it, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I hope he's happy. Right. I know if it were me, I'd probably just be happy for the creation to be back out there in the world. <sighs> would I? I don't know. I If I was I happy about done... the Magnum P.I. reboot, then I'd be happy about this. Let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> This is not a show I would have built this way, and I feel like if I had created the original... I don't think I could take the perspective that you have. You've got a little more mature perspective than me. I, the property that I did create, my the graphic novel that I wrote was at one point optioned for television, and they did like a little seven-minute cartoon for it mm -hmm. that was so off the mark that I couldn't bear it. Yeah. It was also really bad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so maybe if they had made something different that was good, uh, I'd feel differently. But just when you're a creative and you've got this piece and to you it's this thing and then somebody else puts their fingers on it and, and you know, changes it. I, I don't know. I, yeah. Everybody I, reacts differently, I, I guess. I definitely, I, I definitely get that. Uh, you know what this makes me want to do? It makes me want to watch The Rise of Skywalker with George Lucas. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> that's what I want to do. Like, if you want to get the absolute final word in this perspective, sit down with George Lucas and watch The Rise of Skywalker. I want to hear him groan. I want to hear just everything. Yeah. I want to hear the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. True enough. Well, that's good. It comes full circle that way. Yeah. 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 So, hope you've enjoyed this episode where we talked about George Lucas. <laughs> <laughs> Only in the book ends. That's true. We'll come back before January 2nd when uh, the show's supposed to return to air. Yes. Yeah. We'll be back with, with another episode here. But in the meantime, uh, I hope you enjoyed this one. Well, uh, folks, when in cyberspace, <laughs> is anybody still using Twitter? Hello? <laughs> when on Mastodon, find me. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I don't know if I want to advertise my Twitter anymore. <laughs> It's uh, maybe we need like a Gmail account set up. For yeah, the... yeah, maybe we just need just email questions too. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you can you can follow me on Instagram, but it's nothing but like posts of food, so it's not really going to be insightful or in any yeah. possible way. Look, connect with Paprika in some go. way. There you go. You know, listen to some of those podcasts that are on there. Uh, see if you can get maybe with the Facebook group. Uh, let's let's grow that community because it seems like a bunch of good folks. Yes, yeah, yeah. And and if you're not a part of our Facebook group and you still are interested in checking out the Paprika podcast, check the other shows on this feed. Cinnamon with Doug Davidson and our boy Seed, where they talk about movies and uh, the occasional pop culture drafts that I am occasionally a part of. A lot of good content there. A lot of entertaining content. Just a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> but it's entertaining nonsense. And at the end of the day, that's what's most important. Right. And we will see you next time, folks. Until then, I'm Brian. 
And I'm Nate. And we will be here in the waiting room. 